Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. We are back from a short little break there, short little summer break. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, really an important topic, especially at this uh, at this time. And that is the topic of Ebola. That's right. Today, uh, just for full transparency, is August 6th. So where we are in this process will probably change by the time it hits your earlobes. But we did want to discuss it because it has picked up, obviously, so much traction in the last couple of weeks here. Yeah, I mean, just the word Ebola on its own, uh, especially right now, is enough to just summon all these feelings of fear, these feelings of personal body horror, uh, and even xenophobia. Uh, I mean, you see that popping up, especially all over social media, where it's suddenly these attitudes of, well, keep it over there, keep people away from me, I'm going to lock myself up in my home, and no strangers allowed kind of a mentality. Um, but... You don't have to give in to the, the full-on fear, the full-on paranoia. Uh, certainly, Ebola is a very dangerous uh, virus, and we're going to, to discuss why it's dangerous and, and, and why it is uh, pivotal that we uh, that we focus on it. Uh, but uh, in this episode, we want to we want to lay out the science of Ebola, uh, the science of, of Ebola virus disease, and uh, and discuss what it is, how we're fighting it. 
and uh, and, and hopefully you'll leave this podcast with a lot more information about what's going on in the world right now with it. Yeah, because it can be overwhelming to hear the statistics and mm-hmm. to hear how it spreads. And uh, I have to say, I think that some news media outlets don't necessarily give it the context that it needs. So you have all these sort of free-floating facts out there that can really inspire um, a lot of fear in people. And oh, here's yeah. here's a good example. This is you know the worst outbreak of Ebola this, uh, virus in history. Um, happening right now in West Africa, it's claimed more than 700 lives, and this is according to the latest count from the World Health Organization. And we have deaths occurring in Sierra Leone, Liberia, uh, Guinea, and Nigeria. So I'm sure you guys have all heard about this and that it is spreading, in fact, um, Margaret Chan, who is the chief of the World Health Organization, said that this outbreak is moving faster than efforts to control it. All of that sounds a a bit chilling. Right. But we'll discuss more about why this is and give it a better context so that we don't react to it in a way that's fear-based. And hopefully we can come to this conversation with with uh, more thoughts on how it's actually working and why it's spreading quickly. Yeah, and I mean, on, on top of that, of course, the other side of the, the equation here is that, uh, is that we have uh, two American uh, aid workers from Liberia that are, uh, that are currently in Atlanta, right here where we record the show, mm-hmm. uh, to receive treatment uh, from Emory and the CDC, special treatment facilities. And people have responded to that with varying levels of fear and paranoia. Like, I've even seen it on the... Um, the stuff to blow your mind Facebook uh, message board where we have we have a lot of followers now so that's you mm-hmm. know different demographics are are represented there but I've seen comments like you know of course keep them away don't bring it here or uh, or what if the plane crashes or and and a lot of this is it's you know there there's several different uh, forces at work here I mean part of it is you know people are tuning into um, even in just in, in the, their peripheries into a uh, into a 24 hour cable news cycle. That has to really ride stories like this until the, the, the horse collapses, uh, and get as much uh, much juice out of it as much mm-hmm. fear as possible. You're you're also d- dealing with people who have uh, uh, w- with the people who have depended on on movies for a lot of their understanding of uh, of what uh, what uh, pandemics and epidemics uh, consist of. I mean, even right yeah. now, one of the more immediate examples that comes to mind is there's this uh, show on FX called The Strain. Which deals with oh, yeah. uh, with a vampire uh, pathogen, mm-hmm. and, and granted, nobody's looking at that. I would I would imagine, and and uh, and seeing anything other than fiction there. But there's enough uh, reality in the coloring of that show that you, that it ends up informing your perception of what it means to bring um, a, a pathogen into the country. But you know, particularly when you consider too that bats are peripherally involved with oh, this yeah. virus, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, this is from Time Magazine writer Scott Z. Burns. He says, the people who are infected with Ebola develop a screenwriter's list of symptoms, bleeding from the mouth, nail beds and eyes as their capillaries disintegrate inside them. Their brains awash in the blood of hemorrhagic fever become deranged, and there is no vaccine there is no cure approved for use. So, again, to your point, this has a filmic quality to it, and mm-hmm. you can't help but sort of run with some of that. Now, and you would be so silly, I must say, to be completely you know unfazed by that description. I mean, that is 
a fearful uh, reality that we're talking about there. It is also a sensationalized mm-hmm. version of this, too. And we'll get into that when we talk about symptoms. But let's just tether this to, to some other information. Um, I'm sure everybody knows this, but it, I think it, it's helpful to just repeat it. Um, we're talking about human-to-human transmission occurring as a result of close contact with blood secretions or tissues from patients uh, where the virus can travel to a new victim through mucosal surfaces or breaks in the skin. So mm-hmm. this is not uh, something that you can catch in the air. Right. Um, again, that just I feel like that must be uh, grounded in our imaginations here because otherwise we can kind of run wild with this. And I think hence your point about the message board and, oh, what if the train of the, the plane goes down and what if it spreads from person to person? Yeah, yeah, we we do not see that in the uh, in, in the in the variations of Ebola that we're talking about here. Um, it's not the kind of thing that a, that a healthy looking stranger on a train is going to cough in your general vicinity and then you're going to catch it. No, but it would in the film. It would in the film, of course, because that's uh, that's the, the, the kind of uh, fearful pathogen that you want to base a movie around. All right, let's get down to brass tacks and talk about this virus. Yes, so. It, yeah, it is important to just start at the, the very basics. We are talking about a virus. And a virus is a small infectious agent that replicates only inside the living cells of other organisms. Biological viral infections are spread by the virus, which is a, essentially a small shell containing a genetic material. And it injects its content into a far larger organism cell. And so then that cell is infected and eventually transformed into a biological factory producing replicants of the virus. So, you know, it's it's the basic genetic mission of any uh, organism at a very simple level. It just gets in there, it makes more copies of itself and pumps those out. Uh, but of course, it's uh, it's an invader and there are uh, with any virus there're going to be there's there's a, the, the potential for uh, for varying ill effects and uh, and that's the problem, right? Uh, and so the Ebola virus that we're talking about here is a is a filovirus belonging to the virus family filoviridae. Uh, so far, we've only identified two members of this family: the Marburg virus and the Ebola virus. And of Ebola viruses, we've identified five species. Uh, there's the Thai forest, formerly known as the Ivory Coast uh, Ebola. There's uh, Sudanese uh, Ebola. There's Zaire Ebola. There's Reston Bo- uh, Ebola and Bundabugyo Ebola. Yeah, and the one that is uh, taking hold right now uh, in uh, Western Africa is the Zaire strain. Yeah. Um, the rest of the strain is an interesting one. If you guys want to find out more about that, check out the How Stuff Works article, How Ebola Works, because that kind of goes into uh, that strain, which is not deadly to humans. It is among other animals, but not to us. Yeah, so and that, that one originated in the Philippines, apparently. That did, but it has made its way into the U.S., and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that one because it really truly isn't right. deadly to humans. Um, but the article has a great treatment of it and great information about it. So if you look at this, uh, at, at the, uh, the filovirus virons, the viron being the individual, uh, virus, um, it may appear in various shapes, including long or branched, uh, filaments, as well as uh, shorter filaments that may look like a six or a U or a circle. By now, I feel like every article you found on, find online about Ebola is kind of using the same image of the viron. So. Yeah. It, just think a, a colorful shoelace, and you kind of have the idea of what you're looking at. Yeah, it's that blue shoelace among the red tissue. Mm-hmm. 
And it, this is a, a small critter. We're talking uh, uh, filaments that measure up to 14,000 nanometers in length. They have a uniform diameter of about 80 nanometers, and they're uh, enveloped by a, a fatty membrane. Uh, and each virin contains one molecule of single-strand negative-sense RNA. So it's it's a very simple little creature. This is, uh, I mean, to even call a virus a creature, you get into a lot of uh, uh, contested space there. Uh, but it's a it's a very simple uh, element in the body that causes this. But it begins replicating, and that's where the problem. Occurs. Yeah, and scientists don't have all the details about how Ebola works in the body, but they do have a handful of facts. Um, you just mentioned a couple. The Ebola virus is most closely related to the viruses that cause measles and mumps. And uh, one of the proteins in it is suspected to be the superpower of the Ebola. It's mm-hmm. called glycoprotein. And it binds to host cells so that the virus can enter and then replicate. And the other version is then released from the infected cell and may play a role in suppressing the immune system. And then the virus is pretty much impartial and will infect a wide range of cells in our bodies. But early on, typically it goes after those associated with the immune system. So just to give a little history on, uh, on Ebola here, uh, this is not one of those illnesses that we have you know, ancient records of. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends. If we go back to uh, 1967, that's when lab workers in Germany and Yugoslavia uh, were handling tissues uh, from green monkeys, and they developed uh, hemorrhagic fever, and we ended up identifying uh, the Marburg virus. Mm-hmm. Um, there were 31 cases, seven deaths associated with this particular outbreak, and the virus was named after Marburg, Germany, because that was the site of one of the, the outbreaks. Now, fortunately, we haven't seen that many outbreaks of Marburg virus over the years. Uh, the worst of these was 2004-2005. Uh, outbreak in Angola, and that claimed uh, 250 lives with a 90% death rate. But but so far, that's been the, the worst of Marburg. Now, as far as Ebola virus goes, we first identified that in 76 when two outbreaks occurred in uh, northern Zaire and in southern Sudan, and uh, these both occurred in the, uh, in the area of the um, Ebola River, thus the name Ebola virus. Yeah, and I wanted to just get into a little bit of detail of one of those cases, the one in, in then in the then country, Zaire. Um, that was in 1976, as you say, and that was on a man named Mabalo. And he had some symptoms of a really high fever, and they thought, mm-hmm. okay, malaria, right? And they used the drug quinone on him. It was administered to him with a needle, and because medical supplies were in, in really short supply, and needles were in high demand, they used that needle uh. over and over again, and that just infected scores of other hospital patients. Now, a month later, Mabalo died, and his family performed the ritual burial of removing all food and waste from his body with their bare hands. So this is, you've probably seen this in the media before, that this is part of the burial ritual. Uh, weeks later, 18 of the family members participating in the ritual died, and since then, Ebola has resurfaced something like 20 times, spreading farther and farther out, perhaps because of bats and and changing conditions due to climate change, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, But I think that that example kind of sets the stage for what we're seeing today. Yeah, key there, especially the handling of dead bodies and uh, close contact with uh, sick individuals during the, 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 the depths of their sickness. Yeah, and of course now we have disposal methods in place for needles that's known but that was sort of the, the, the first vector there. Yeah, now, so you mentioned the bats, and uh, currently science is, scientists believe that bats are likely the reservoir host for Ebola. Now, a reservoir host can harbor a pathogen indefinitely with no ill effects, uh, but we've also seen Ebola spread through gorillas, chimps, and uh, a uh, duker, which is a type of antelope, uh, and in these cases, uh, they're often deadly results. Uh, though some also think that non-human primates are 
just more or less an accidental host, much like uh, human beings. Now, you mentioned uh, we mentioned Scott Z. Burns earlier, that piece uh, mm-hmm. uh, he wrote for Time magazine, uh, opinion piece uh, titled uh, Contagion Screenwriter, uh, Ebola Isn't the Pandemic, Fear Is. He has just a little bit at the beginning where he mentions the bat. I just wanted to read that because I thought it was so concisely uh, put. He says, uh, there is an animal somewhere in Africa, most likely a bat, that has worked out an arrangement with a microscopic agent. The deal is this. The agent won't kill the bat if the bat will transport it to other warm-blooded animals and give it a chance to do its gruesome work. All the bat had to do to enter this arrangement was build up a resistance to the agent over generations and become a good hiding place and then continue about its business of being a bat. I like that because that really gets to the heart of uh, again, what is Ebola from uh, from a biological standpoint? How does it fit into the environment? Because it's easy to just think of these diseases as just an absolute sort of evil, awful thing that rises up and destroys, yeah. and without remembering that it is, it, like everything else, just fulfilling a genetic mission. Yeah, Ebola is a classic zoonotic disease, meaning that it occurs naturally in animals, but can be transmitted to humans. And it does look like bats are their best chance. As you say, they have built up an immunity. And according to the World Health Organization, pig farms in Africa can play a role in the amplification of infection because of the presence of fruit bats on these farms. And if you think about these pigs being infected and then being slaughtered, Uh. and if the practices aren't really very clearly down to specifications that... Uh, would not allow the person to get infected, get it under their nails or, you know, in their saliva on accident, then there you go. You've got transmission of the disease. Moreover, the areas in which fruit bats are dwelling seem to get farther and farther out in Africa. And this is thought because of the changing conditions due to global warming. So again, you see this spread happening. This is, these are, these are all these sort of component parts of why the virus is spreading quickly. So there we see the the uh, the jump from animals to humans. The you could because and it may happen because of close contact with these uh, with these pigs mm-hmm. that have been in contact with the bats. It may occur from eating bush meat. Yeah. You're eating uh, uh, ape. Uh, you're eating uh, uh, you know chump. You're eating the uh, bat even mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 catching it that way. And then once it's in humans, then there's of course more potential to spread through burial practices, through caring for sick individuals mm-hmm. coming into contact with their uh, with their diarrhea with their vomit, with their blood. Um, furthermore, uh, uh, men who have recovered from the disease can still transmit the virus through their semen up for to up to seven yeah, weeks yeah. following the illness. So, I mean, that's one of the things about Ebola, and one of the, the facts that you hear repeated again and again, is that Ebola remains active for, uh, for an extended period of time here. Yeah, now, compounding that, of course, is just, you know, a distrust of government officials, a distrust mm-hmm. of... Um, medical facilities and medical workers and um, imagine too someone trying to quarantine your family member and how upsetting that would be to you or how upsetting it would be to you if there was a certain burial tradition that your family um, and your community had always engaged in and then were told to stop because as we know these are the sort of traditions are, are deeply ingrained in us and part of mm-hmm. the healing process. And to be told that you can't do that probably feels, you know, it's probably fueling some of that distrust toward people in official positions to try to put a stop to the spread. Now, the other thing to consider is that uh, these parts of the world, these some of these countries have been hard hit over the decades 
with war, with many other different types of strife. So it's kind of like, you know, one thing after another. And you have a community of people who, who their only sort of way of dealing with life day to day is each other mm-hmm. and the sort of bond that they have. So trying to, you know, these outside organizations coming in and trying to give them these directions probably feels very sort of alien to them and, and, um, and sort of disruptive of the ways that they have survived in the past. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the symptoms that occur as this virus spreads through a human host. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, we're back. And uh, as we continue to talk about Ebola here, now is the point where we need to get into uh, how the infection spreads through the body and the various symptoms that, uh, that occur. Now, this is this is likely uh, some of the, the material that you've, you've definitely uh, uh, encountered already uh, just through media consumption of, uh, of the ongoing uh, uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, if you'll remember, we talked about the virus in the cell and, and uh, how the, the virus needs to invade the cell and turn the cell into a virus-producing factory. And uh, what happens then is the virons burst out of the cells and begin producing the protein Ebola virus glycoprotein and attaches to the cells on the inside of the blood vessels. So this is where things start getting... Um, Interesting because uh, uh, this increases the permeability of the blood vessels and blood leaks out of the vessels and it also affects the body's ability to coagulate and thicken the blood. Yeah, because all of those things are triggering these chemical responses that we began to see as symptoms. Now, when Ebola enters a human being, it kind of hangs out uh, seemingly harmless for about 2 to 21 days, typically more 4 to 10. And then you get to see the symptoms come. Um, first, you see fever, chill, headache, muscle and joint aches, and tiredness. And then it begins to get uh, much more intense. Yeah, and when the immune system fights back, uh, the Ebola actually works to elude it. It blocks the signaling to cells called neutrophils, and these are white blood cells that are in charge of uh, sounding the alarm, basically. And uh, so, and then on top of that, Ebola will actually infect immune cells and hitchhike to organs such as the liver, the kidney, the spleen, and the brain. Yeah, we thought about the ability of viruses to do that with the neutrophils. It's kind of fascinating yeah. that they can game the immune system like that. All right, so uh, as you mentioned, we're looking at an incubation uh, period about four to nine days after exposure, but it may last up to 21. And then uh, that's where the course of the illness really gets going. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually lasts between six and ten days. Uh, Days one through three, uh, you're looking at uh, flu-like symptoms and uh, and just a general feeling of bodily weakness. Uh, Days four through seven, uh, patients may also get vomiting, diarrhea, nausea, low blood pressure, uh, headaches, and anemia. Yeah, and some of them will develop a rash on their trunk and their shoulders. Right. And then days 7 through 10, this is where things can get uh, far worse. Uh, This is towards the end of the illness where you may encounter uh, just uh, feelings of confusion, uh, bleeding both internally uh, and uh, externally, and this can also progress uh, towards coma, shock, and death. But not in all cases, uh, and that's one thing to keep in mind here at all times. Um, you, you'll often see that 90% mortality rate thrown out with Ebola, but that that is just it, it's more correct to say that the um, the mortality rate can be up to 90% with Ebola, and it's going to reach its highest highest levels in areas where it is not treated or not treated effectively. You see that uh, that mortality rate. Um, it's still high, but you'll see it uh, go down 10, 20, 30 points or uh, 30 uh, points or more in cases where the patients are ac- are, uh, are actually going to be cared for in a, in a more uh, uh, sustainable way. Yeah, and with this Zaire strain that is currently underway, mm-hmm. in the past it has been 90%, but I think they've got it down to about 64% right yeah, now. Yeah, that's where I've seen it uh, hanging out, the 64, 65%. Yeah, and you probably already mentioned this, but I did want to say that the the blood does start to clot all throughout the body. That's that's what causes sort of this breakdown of the organs and the mm-hmm. failure of organs. And when it's clotting throughout the body, that exhausts the supply of proteins that handle clots. 
So that means that when tissue damage occurs in the other parts of the body, those proteins aren't available to do their clotting work, and that's where it all begins to break down internally. And generally, death is not a result of the hemorrhaging, but from multi-organ failure or shock. Yeah. Now, of course, not everyone dies from Ebola, and when people survive Ebola, they're a few different factors that, t- that, that play a role here. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, of course, is just the overall immune system health of an individual. Is this a young person with, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's in the, the, the prime of their life that have encountered, uh, the virus? Or is this, uh, an older individual? Is this someone with an already compromised immune system, et cetera? Mm-hmm. The other, uh, factor here that, uh, that, that scientists are still trying to understand exactly how it plays, plays into this, but, how many virons does one end up uh, taking into their system? How big is the initial viral invasion of your body? Is it a small number? Is it a larger number? Um, obviously, uh, that is thought to play a, a role as well. Yeah, and that might depend on whether the animal or the human you are infected from where they were in that illness. So right. if you say how many virons are present in their bloodstream or saliva or whatever it was that was the infecting um, element, so the way that it's transmitted can also uh, it can also influence uh, the mortality rate. For instance, needles have a greater mortality rate than, say, saliva. So you're probably wondering at this point, uh, how does one treat Ebola? How does one treat uh, Ebola under more or less ideal circumstances in the field in Africa? Well, currently, no licensed vaccine for Ebola is available. The, uh, several vaccines are being tested, but none are available for clinical use. Uh, so if you're a severely ill patient uh, with Ebola, uh, what's generally going to happen is you're going to be dehydrated. So mm-hmm. you're going to require oral hydration uh, with solutions uh, containing electrolytes or uh, intravenous fluids. So saline uh, infusions and electrolytes to keep you hydrated. And um, beyond that, uh, there, there's not a lot that uh, that can be done in the field. However, there are some some additional experimental treatments that are making the news and uh, in, in which there is a lot of hope. Yeah, and before we get to that, I want to say that studying it is kind of, uh, I would say, difficult as well because there exist uh, these things called biological safety levels that mm-hmm. correlate to different types of labs studying different viruses. And uh, BLS1 is the least life-threatening while BSL4 is the most. And Ebola requires a BSL4 lab protocol. So... Scientists have to work in spacesuits with respirators and get decontaminated before entering and leaving these labs. And only about a dozen of these labs currently exist in the United States. And furthermore, um, because the number of victims has been low relative to other diseases, right? Malaria is a good example. And the outbreaks tend to happen in remote parts of the world, a.k.a. outside of the United States, um, because we're so American-centric. Um where it's difficult to administer vaccines, there hasn't been a lot of industrial support for creating one. But given that this outbreak has happened and people are now engaged, people are are definitely more interested in finding a serum that could work. And as you say, there have been some reports in the media. I think some media outlets have called it a secret serum, which is really problematic. It's not secret. Again, I feel like this is this the word serum is so uh, is so loaded. sexy and loaded from a news sense. You can, you almost can't help but add secret secret serum yeah. from a yeah. lab. I mean, the fact of the matter is is that there is a treatment, there's a drug that has been in development and has been used only in animals so far. But you could say that about nearly 
any other disease or virus out there, there is a drug that is being worked on. Um, but as we say, the conditions for it going to market haven't exactly been like, hey, let's accelerate this until now. Right. So the yeah the uh, the particular uh, treatment uh, in question here, uh, the serum is uh, is known as ZMAP, mm-hmm. and uh, this is uh, uh, this has been developed by a San Diego based company, uh, MAP Bio- Biopharmaceutical, and it's uh, one of a class of new drugs known as monoclonal antibodies. And these use uniquely manufactured proteins to prevent, in theory, the Ebola virus from infecting new cells. Um, they've also been used in the treatment of some cancers, so it's not just completely an e- Ebola-centric mm-hmm. uh, treatment uh, strategy. And so uh, with ZMAP, we're talking about a three-antibody cocktail. Again, not a vaccine, uh, but just a, a way of artificially boosting immune response against sugar tag proteins on the outside of the Ebola virus. Uh, and interestingly enough, tobacco plays a role in it. Huh. Uh, yeah, um, but particularly an Australian strain of, uh, of the tobacco plant uh, is, is involved in, in this. And there's actually a division of R.J. Reynolds to tobacco that's tied up in the, in the drug trials for this. But anyway, in this circumstance, this secret serum, if you will, uh, is being administered uh, to the uh, the two Americans uh, here in Atlanta uh, with it, or has been administered. Dr. Kent Brantley and missionary Nancy Reipel, that's right. And only three doses had ever been created, so two of those were used on them. And, uh, of course, we'll see what the results are. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty hopeful about it, and, and also ultimately hopeful about the potential here to create a better uh, treatment regime for use in Africa. Yeah, I mean, because again, this this virus just it, it ravages the body, mm-hmm. and here we have this opportunity to perhaps um, lessen suffering and and do something about it. Um, I did want to share a letter from a listener, Jessica, because I think it helps to give a little more context to this. Um, yeah, because ultimately, we are. We, we are not in direct contact with this. No, we're yeah. seeing this from afar, and, and she has, has uh, been there, and, and so she wanted to share some of her thoughts. Uh, she said, in 2008, I traveled to Sierra Leone for a six-week immersion with a large group of early 20-somethings. We visited schools and clinics. She put quotation marks on this. Uh, partly to expand our mindsets, but also to provide what little help we could to a recovering community. Sierra Leone experienced a horrifically brutal civil war from the late 1990s to the early 2000s and is still attempting to heal. The people of the country are truly the friendliest, most open and loving people I've ever met, and my life changed dramatically in just the few weeks I was there. I write because of the Ebola happenings, and I've attached photos of what consists of available medical care in Freetown, the capital city, which is home to nearly 1.1 million people. Many Americans have allowed their fear to get the better of them with the recent transport of an infected American doctor back to the United States for advanced treatment. What many people don't realize is that the standard of care in underdeveloped countries doesn't even come close to what we have available in the United States. The hospital in Freetown, which was still under construction in 2008, consists of a three-level multi-room mud brick building with running water. However, running water, the luxury that it is, isn't sourced from a public water treatment facility like it is in the U.S. It may come from a tap, but it's not potable due to rampant E. coli and lack of proper sanitization. And then she goes on to say, when it comes to disease fatality, 
you cannot consider the disease itself in isolation. You must consider the accompanying conditions under which it has been fatal. Even common diseases such as the flu kills dozens of infants in the U.S. every year. Consider the social and medical factors in tandem. These are cultures that are based on physical contact and closeness. Even people you've never met before will greet you with a full body embrace. Physical contact for the living and the dead provides the basic foundation of many African societies. And as for the medical factors, many of these, quote, treatment facilities are little more than four walls and what may or may not amount to a solid roof. Thatching and tarps are common because there is simply nothing else available, especially outside of the, quote, unquote, city. And then she goes on in a little bit more detail, and she says, top that off with a social fear of modern medicine, and you've got the worst conditions possibly for a highly communicable disease. Moving an infected U.S. citizen back to high-level medical care is not only best for him, but it's truly in the best interest of research for finding effective treatment and a cure, not only now, but for future outbreaks. I left a large piece of my heart in Sierra Leone, and I wish so much to relieve their continued suffering. Anything that we can do, we should. It's the human thing to do. Thanks so much, Jessica. Indeed. Thank you for writing in and again, providing that a personal account uh, that uh, that deals with uh, today's topic. So there you go. There's Ebola in a nutshell. Uh, a look at the virus, a look at the symptoms, a look at some of the treatments available to us. And, and overall, you know, hopefully this helps to distill some of the fear. Uh, that is uh, that's out there. Yeah, and I hope that that you know it's it's looked at in a different context. And so when you hear ninety percent, then knowing that in the past the Zaire strain has been ninety percent mortality, uh, but it's not; it's sixty four percent now. Or if you hear that it's spreading rapidly, then it's more understood in in the ways that it's being um, spread. It's not spread in the air; it's spread because of these other factors, the extenuating factors. And certainly in, in a place like the United States, uh, we don't even begin to have those factors at play. So uh, for people to, to fear that it could somehow incubate here and infect us all and become this pandemic is like highly, highly unlikely. So, yeah, this is not the strain. This is not Stephen King's The Stand. Uh, this is real life. And hopefully we've provided you... Uh, a little information to go on here. And if you want to learn more, uh, do check out that article, How Ebola Works, on HowStuffWorks.com. And, of course, uh, the CDC and the World Health Organization uh, both have excellent resources about this as well. Indeed. I mean, really, there's a phenomenal amount of of information out there on the web right now to douse the fires of paranoia with. Uh, but the thing is, you have to... You sort of you have to open your eyes, your ears, and uh, in your mind, and actually engage with that information. Uh, and and uh, you know, I, I do want to underline the the urge to 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 just give into the fear is understandable. I mean, it's when you when you're when you're faced with some sort of uh, uh, you know deadly virus, you, you want to run away from it. I mean, that's part of our our programming. But yeah, it, well, it, but we should remember that we've been here before yeah. and on more intimate terms with the virus. And I'm talking about H1N1, bird mm-hmm. flu, or SARS. So, um, you know, again, it's just it's important to review the facts and and to try to see what sort of cultural lens is on top of this. Is there a little of the, the stranger factor of the fear of of uh, foreigners going on? Um, I don't know. Yeah. These are all things happening under the cover of unconscious. Yeah. If you would like uh, more information on our show, go to StuffToBlowYourMind.com. Uh, that is where you will find all of our blog posts, all of our 
podcast episodes, our videos links out to our various social media accounts. Uh, be sure to check out our YouTube page, Mind Stuff Show. Uh, we are uh, constantly updating that with new shows, uh, new show ideas, and new content. And no doubt you have some thoughts swirling about in your mind about this topic. We would like to hear about them and, and uh, get your perspective. And you can send those thoughts to us via email at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.